Hello and welcome to our viewers on CruxInvestor.com and also to the listeners on CruxCast, our new podcast series. We're here today with Bryce Crocker, he's the CEO of Jevois Mining. Now we saw you back in around sort of 12th of March, middle, middle of March, um, you done or just about just announcing the M2 story, but you've been quite busy since then. We have. So Why don't you start, give us a two minute sort of overview without getting into too much detail about the, the the, the recent news, sure. and then we're going to get into it. Well, I guess uh, we're looking at creating a platform that institutional investors can get exposure to battery raw materials. Mm -hmm. We're big believers in thematic. Uh, we believe the investment alternatives that are open to institutional and also retail investors uh, are substandard in terms of quality of the assets and quality of the management. And so we're a group of largely ex-Glencore executives who've come to yeah. Jevoir and are looking to make a difference. Fantastic. Okay, so you're focusing on cobalt at the moment. Cobalt, nickel, copper, because cobalt, cobalt obviously comes with yeah. both products generally. Fantastic. So just for people who um, don't quite understand the, where you've been and where you've come from, you mentioned Glencore there, big name. They're a large cobalt producer. I guess uh, I was part of the founding management team at Extrata. Uh, Peter Johnson, who's our chair, so Peter ran WMC's nickel business back mm -hmm. in the days and then mm -hmm. worked for Glencore for a long time, sat on Glencore's executive committee, ran their global nickel assets. Yeah. Um, so obviously Glencore have always been the largest cobalt trader. Um, we've got a group of executives who've come out of that platform and now we're looking to create, as I said, an investable alternative. Uh, we know cobalt well. Mm -hmm. um, we've operated, we've obviously got a lot of history in the of understanding the DRC to the extent one can't understand that jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. and But equally creating something that has decent assets, um, non-DRC sourced units, which is increasingly important. Why is that important? Just tell me. I think downstream users are increasingly concerned uh, with the artisanal supply and the potential that that contaminates or is blended in with other with regular units. And when you say contaminate, what's the underlying issue here? The difficulty with cobalt is tracking where units are, it's a complicated flow sheet. It's mined, it's yeah. concentrated usually, it's uh, uh, leached, it's refined, and so it's blended in a number of phases. Mm. And approximately in 2018, you probably had 30,000 tonnes of cobalt in a 120,000 tonne market, which came from artisanal sources, which right. is essentially um, men, women, and children, um, right. tens and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in the case of last year. And that material is finding its way through the flow, uh, the cobalt chain, particularly any units that flow through China. Mm. And that creates challenges. Um, when I was working with Extrata Glencore, we would provide guarantees to our customers, to Intel, Dell. Mm. There were two limbs that we provided guarantees on. One was the uh, non-conflict material, which is obviously quite easy given we control Katangra Mutanda. Um, in the southern part of the DRC, well away from any conflict zones. Yeah, um, yeah. So conflict cobalt's a, somewhat of a misnomer, but the artisanal issue is real. Nobody wants to have an iPhone or an electric vehicle with a battery that's essentially represented by a significant component of children which have been working right. under terrible conditions, right. unsafe conditions uh, in mines underground. In right, because the, so the child labour component that people are... The child labour is yeah. it's, it's a significant social issue, both in the DRC and also for Western consumers. You, so I guess you're touching upon also there in terms of tracking this, there's some sort of uh, blockchain 
AI components there? Was it more there's basic an, There's initiatives underway, but yeah. I mean, I've worked in Cobalt for a long time, and I can tell you the trading is a complex industry. Mm. It's a niche industry and it's an opaque industry. And there's going to be real value if we can, for those that can create an operating company. So we're not promoters. We're not um, uh, we're not looking to kind of assemble, aggregate a portfolio of mm. assets and then move on. We're going to construct an operating company. Mm. And because we're constructing an operating company, there's a real value for those downstream users yeah. to have sources of supply which don't involve anything from the DRC at all. Fantastic. Okay, let's go back to the Glencore bit. You come from a big company, big exposure, big projects around the world, and you're, you come into a junior space. Okay, so I imagine, and like you tell me, that's a very different environment. I mean, how has your thinking had to change for, for some parts of this, or is it the same for other I other think aspects? it's, I mean, I'm from the Extrata side. Uh, I, so I was part of, we sold to Glencore in 2013, yeah. but obviously yeah. I work closely with Glencore, and the rest of the yeah. team is largely Glencore. Yeah. If you came from different a different large mining company, I think it would make more of a difference. Mm. Glencore is very obviously it's an owner operated mm-hmm. principal type business. Yeah. Obviously, junior mining company is different in terms of the infrastructure and the level of support and the 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 the, um, the way we set up organisationally yeah. certainly. But I think that we're a group of like minded individuals who purposely left large companies, um, not because we couldn't stay employed with large companies, but because yeah. we wanted to do something different and essentially create a mid tier company. Yeah. And we've got the opportunity at this end of the market. I mean, if you look back when we founded Extrata, the reason why we did that was because the people wanted an investment alternative that had more beta, if you like, than mm. just purely choosing between Rio, BHP and Anglo. And mm. that was essentially the fund manager investment yeah. decision options that they had at the time in London here. Yeah. I think what we're looking to do is, you know, is again, create something that's got a management team that is of, the, is of a different level of quality than typically exists in the junior mining sector. Yeah. Not always, but yeah. obviously management in the junior mining sector is perhaps not as strong as it ought to be. And particularly is really focused on getting into operations and creating an operating company. So to take something that was essentially uh, capitalised at a very low level and to then build that up over time, hmm. That's exciting. Building mines, op- commissioning mines, operating mines, that's, yeah. that's a part of it. No, I, I, I guess very exciting. You know, you're, in, you're in control of your own destiny to some degree. Obviously, there's some variables outside which you can't control, but you're making decisions here. Um, but, but, st- but sticking on, on, on this, you, you've, as I understand it, you've, you've, you've acquired two companies since I've known you, so you're quite acquisitive. We are quite That's acquisitive. pretty impressive. Okay. Yeah. So, We've got a couple of shareholder votes to get through, but we're... Uh, I think we're setting, they're, they're small steps, but they're, yeah. they're setting up, they're, they're important steps to set up the platform of what we want to do. Okay. And I want to come on to your strategy because I, you know, I like it. I think it's a good strategy. Uh, I'm in, interested in the, the, the team's experience. But if I look at m and you're going to require to raise some money for some of this, you know, to get, get, get this going. I know you're doing deals. We talk about how you've optimized that and reduced shareholder dilution, et cetera. But again, coming from the, the larger background, you've, as you say, fund managers, they're a choice of three or four guys go to, and that's the background you come from. In this junior space, I mean, have you had to create new relationships? How do you, how, who are you talking to for funding? No, it's very different. It's very different. It's been a, le- um, it's been a learning process for me. I mean, I've yeah. worked uh, independently since we the management team sold to Glencore in 2013 mm. on behalf of the rest of the Extrata shareholders. And I've enjoyed working uh, 
at the smaller level. Um, yeah. do you, I mean, obviously our background in the association, we work a lot with private equity. Mm. Uh, but equally, I think at this end of the market, there's um, you have to build up the retail following. The, you, yeah. you, you need a balance between um, strategic investors, or if, if you frame yeah. private equity as strategic, but retail is important, liquidity is important. Yeah. If I look at most companies that are sub 100 mil market cap, there's an argument as to I mean, that their ability to succeed, the, the liquidity is limited, and that kind of creates a lot of challenges for you, yeah. both your clients and institutional clients. Well, imagine with well. the institutions, you're having different sorts of conversations. It's like they, they need to see X market cap, they need to sort of see Y revenue potential or near term revenue. So those are very different conversations, but, so, but you're, you're getting in there, obviously working. So something, something. Yeah, so far. I mean, it's been a difficult market, but we're excited. Yeah. Uh, both of these transactions set us up and uh, in terms of re- really making that transition to become a producer, particularly the Ecobalt merger. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. So when I spoke to you, you were telling me about M2 Cobalt. Great asset, another great asset, great exploration team. Tell me about Ecobalt, because I think you, the yeah. thing I thought found interesting about that, you've got a neighbour that's next door which you, you might know. Okay. Well, so, in terms of, is, there, is, is Glencore not an owner of assets nearby? No, no. There's no? Some, no. Uh, Glencore and Blackbird, correct. Blackbird, They've got right. the old Miranda uh, right. closed site, correct. Got it, okay. Well, so, tell, tell us about this transaction. So, I guess why we're attracted to eCobalt and the Idaho Cobalt Project is it has the ability to transition us to become a producer yep. much more quickly than could otherwise have occurred. Mm. So, Kibanga in Tanzania and mm. Kalembi in Uganda, yeah. they're assets that were in negotiations with both the governments in the respective jurisdictions. Mm. They're exciting. Yeah. They're assets that shouldn't naturally sit within a company Jevois size, so that's why we're chasing them. Yeah. But equally, if we're awarded tenure by either government tomorrow, realistically, they're three years from first production. Mm. Um, so three years is obviously it's a reasonable period of time in mm. the eyes of capital markets. Yeah, yeah. The attraction of Idaho is it's a part it's a it's been significant investment at site they're a hundred million dollars in uh the resource the quality of the resource is high uh 0.6 cobalt 0.8 copper yeah it's drc type quality without being in the drc right small smaller than uh the drc so it's five million ton of inferred resource not 50 or 250 uh, but very high quality um, and very relatively low development risk. Uh, mm. They've probably got uh, uh, they've got a they've got a pathway to production. Mm. Uh, once we finalise the definitive feasibility study, when we take control, mm. uh, once you start the box cut and open the portal, you're twelve months to first ore on the mill, yeah. and the, the commissioning is almost instantaneous, as right. opposed to a large metal. Uh, if you've got a large pyrometallurgical or hydrometallurgical facility, you've got a three-year commissioning period. Right. Three-year construction, three-year commissioning, yeah. very long dated, very yeah. high risk. Yeah. This the capex is small. Um, Why? It's executable. It's a simple sulfide underground mine. Right. The okay. tonnage is. They publish feasibility studies on eight hundred tons per day. Right. Of which the mine and mill was around uh, fifty million dollars at the time. They're increasing that now to 1,200 tonnes per day, mm-hmm. which is the capital is going to rise, but not significantly. Not proportionately. Okay. But these are the type of projects that companies our size should be doing. Um, I don't want to be a junior mining company. I've said it very clearly that mm. where you've got a, a 50 mil market cap and you've got this project that requires half a billion dollars of yeah. equity, Good luck. it's a waste of time. Who are yeah. you kidding? You can't do that. All yeah. you can do is sell it. Yeah. Um, 
So tell me, tell me more about the deal. Where, where, how have you structured that deal? Because you talk so about taking control. So what's, yeah, what's so there's two transactions. They're, yeah. they're, they're plans of arrangements. Um, so they're nil or at market mergers, both mm-hmm. the M2 merger, um, mm-hmm. then the Ecobot merger, mm-hmm. independent subsequent transactions. Mm-hmm. So uh, the M2 circular goes out next week. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially a prospectus on Jebois for all intents and purposes. Great it news. will contain the... Uh, the PEA um, on the on the Nico Young project in Australia, yeah, which yeah. is which is our foundation asset, yeah. uh, that goes out next week, and the shareholder date for the M two merger is fourteenth uh, of June. The plans of arrangements: we need sixty six and two thirds voting present mm-hmm. um, for the M two transaction. We have over fifty percent lock up, high high probability of that going through. Right, um, high probability of both transactions going through, but the lockups on M two make it almost arithmetically. Mm. Uh, certain the ECS transaction because the transactions are separate the circular for e- the ECS merger will go out immediately after the M2 shareholder vote mm-hmm. uh, once that positive vote's received the ECS sh- shareholder circular goes out and the, the shareholder date will be the third week of July Okay, gotcha. so after the third week of July the pro forma based on current prices the pro forma market capitalization of the group will be approximately 100 US million dollars so you're, you're up you're up there you can have leapfrogged up to where yeah I mean we're not a, doing it just to get, get bigger noticed. we're not yeah. in the business of getting bigger right. just for the big just to, just to get bigger but yeah. for the reasons that I outlined in terms of the asset it does transition us because we uh, we're going to be in production far more quickly than we would have been otherwise we've got a project that's essentially halfway constructed that we need mm-hmm. to finish uh, what it also means, I mean, it always, we had a long debate, essentially myself and all of the board, we're all compensated on value per share. Um, so we're very focused on dilution, very focused on how we manage the capital base. Mm. Essentially, there was an opportunity. Sure, I don't want to issue shares at 25 cents. I um, have a perception that that's significantly undervalued as yet. But also, there was, this was an opportunity where markets are weak. The opportunity mm. for others to raise capital is constrained, mm. um, and the the relative underperformance of other yeah. stocks was obviously significant relative to where we were. So, it created an opportunity for us to do a transaction on favourable terms, and it also means for both M two Cobalt and E Cobalt shareholders, they're along for the ride. They're part of the story. That mm. um, we're now moving forwards together. We have a team that can deploy and can construct and commission uh, finally the Idaho Cobalt project. And I actually want to do it now while co- Cobalt markets are weak because for all of our shareholders, whether they're currently Jevoir, M2 or ECS shareholders, mm. uh, we want to be in production when prices recover. And prices will recover. That's one thing. Yeah, so I think everyone's a big bar of the EV EV story. Battery metals should be doing well for some reason at the moment. There's a bit of, bit of a lull. Um, but it's coming. I think that's a story which is well told. You've told it, you know, in, in various conversations that you've had. Um, but I want to talk about not necessarily about the, the deals that you, you're doing, but I want to talk about the deals that you're going to be doing. So you've got a strategy here. So your thesis is cobalt, nickel, um, and cobalt, nickel, copper. Copper, of course. Um, that's, that's your theme, and you're going to stick with that. You come from a you know, background of, of big, big companies, you want to build in mid-tier, you're up to circa 100 bucks now, potentially with this, when, this deal, when these deals happen. What's the future look like 
for you. What is the strategy? Are you going to continue an M&A strategy? Are you going to be acquisitive? I'm a big believer in never boxing myself in, especially not where a camera's rolling. So I'm not going to say <laughs> definitively I'm never going to do a transaction okay. because then I'll come back and do a next interview in the first Excellent. question. Exclusive. We just replay that. Yeah. Yeah. But equally, it's not a scattergun approach. And I'm, because we want to build an operating company, there has mm. to be focus. Right. So on what? Focus on constructing operations. And so right. what we have now as part of the portfolio, we've got essentially a development a, a project in Idaho, which needs to be built. Yeah. Uh, we're in discussions, advanced discussions with, as I said, the governments in right. Tanzania and Uganda. So the way that we're looking at it from a portfolio perspective is the Idaho is going to be core as part of mm. what we do. Uh, East Africa is also important. Will we not do another transaction? Um, I think it would be. It's a. We ha, it would have. To, we're looking at anything else very, yeah. very carefully. Um, I'm certainly being explicit now with institutions who I meet here in London now that we won't do DRC. Up until now, we've looked at assets in the DRC. We understand as as much as one can the DRC. Mm. And it's a tough jurisdiction, and yeah. for those reasons as well, with the dealing because we're also running through our residual asset or core asset in Australia, the Nico Young project. Mm. We're looking for off-takers for that to yeah. partner. So that's not an yeah. organisational focus for us for a capital perspective. We're still managing it, but we're not allocating any capital. And dealing with the OEMs on that, it's clear that having non having an entity that can provide raw materials that doesn't have anything coming from the DRC, it's just a real... No, I, I, I get that, but the better, better one to understand is, you know, some companies create value by doing M&A, constantly M&A, just rolling up and, and, they, and they do drive share price that way, but they forget about the business. What you're saying is we want to focus on the business, the value is going to be created through developing the three assets that we've got, but you will look at other opportunities, but your focus is on what you've got today. Yeah, I mean, we've got our hands full in organisationally with what we have. That's not to say we wouldn't look at other opportunities. Sometimes other opportunities come with teams, such mm. as the deal in Uganda with M2. Mm. Uh, we've got a team, essentially, that was already undertaking that exploration. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a big believer in focus and not having a crab shoot and just going out and looking and kind of chasing assets in disparate geographies. I think for juniors as well, uh, or for small mining companies. I mean, obviously, we're heavily focused on company GNA, yep. heavily focused on overhead on expenditure, and it's important to, if you really want to move forward projects, you can't do it sitting behind a desk. Yeah. You have to be out there. Um, and myself and the board are very hands-on. It's, again, a different type of uh, culture, I guess, and right. our board meets monthly. I'm here in London with Peter Johnson and Simon Clark now. Yeah. Um, we're heading back to Africa so shortly. Brian Kennedy, my non-exec, who's you know, mm. he's been with me seven or eight times to Africa since we joined him 18 months ago. Yeah. The board's hands-on. We are really, it's quite a different type. Uh, I guess when I look through and when we do these type of transactions with others, you do see a level of, and it's fortunate for me, the level of support I get from my board is very, very different to how many of my mm. So it's interesting. So the assets at the moment, you know, you've got I think Nico Young with a pre pre fees due. Now it comes out with the M the the PEA comes out with the M two circular. Okay. Uh, so the M two circular is essentially it's a it's a prospectus on Jevoir for M two yep, shareholders. Yep. So that contains a forty three one hundred one PEA. It's in there. Okay, great. And so that'll there's a five hundred page technical report. Right. All Excellent. the readers can look forward to. 
We might, we might have you somewhere. It <laughs> might be the smartest thing to do. Okay. And then uh, with Idaho, that's out of feasibility so Idaho, underway. We're, we're, we're working out? through, uh, Peter and I were there with our some of our directors last mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. We're, we're working through and agreeing um, what is going to be the work plan yeah. to finish the definitive feasibility study. Right. Um, so that when the shareholder vote of ECS goes through on the third week of July, we're ready mm. to deploy essentially immediately mm. with regard to the drilling that's required, both to um, finalise metallurgical test work, improve the quality of the resource before mining, yeah. and also just to really just, uh, we think, optimise the DFS, the, BF, the, yeah. the DFS significantly. Right. That will be finished in March 2020. Uh, we're, I'm already talking to financiers on the debt side uh, with the intention that we'll construct immediately and then it's 12-month runway, as I said earlier, yeah. to, to first ore. Right, okay. And then uh, Kalembe, obviously, exploration. Kalembe and Kabanga, we're making progress with both governments. Right. I'm po- I mean, our intel is Pro- very good. Progress on what? So if you take them in turn, we've applied in Kabanga in mm-hmm. Tanzania. So Kabanga's... The best undeveloped nickel sulfide deposit in the world, yep. bar none, 60 million tonne of sulfide resource at 4% nickel equivalent. So yep. it's on a par with Thompson, Manitoba, um, Raglan, Voises Bay. Uh, a phenomenal asset. Obviously, Tanzania has been through a difficult time yep. politically or as it pertains to the mining industry. Mm. Uh, we're talking to government. Uh, we've applied for what's called a prospecting licence. Right. Um, What's that? That just lets you continue. Essentially, you I mean, obviously, Glencore and Barracks spent two hundred and fifty US million dollars before the deposit was removed um, because they failed to develop it. Uh, so it's called a prospecting license, but obviously, there's not there's no prospecting that needs to be done. We yeah. just need to update the ESIA, update the DFS, um, and that's a year process. Once we get tenure, right? Where we're negotiating with the government, there's a couple of other parties who are also negotiating, but we're well placed, and the government also looks at us. They look at us credibly because they don't see a junior mining company. They see but when you say there's a couple of other parties, though, what's that mean? On your on the same asset? On, are you correct? Is, are we bidding here, or is it? It's, it's it's not a bidding process. It's a mm. negotiation with the government as to how that may, how the project is best moved forwards and who right. should have stewardship or ownership of that. And that's I guess you know having worked in Africa myself for a few, quite a few years you're going to need to give them comfort or certainty and that's got to come around your ability to finance moving this thing forward. Yeah, I think the government looks at us, and this applies for Uganda as well. I mean, mm. if you look at the, the backgrounds of our boards collectively, we've raised, I think, 40 US billion dollars in mm. the mining industry. So there's probably only, aside from my co-founders at Extrata, there's a very small pool of people who no, that's that's true, but that. different circumstances. So you're a new company, it's your company, well, your board's company, yeah. shareholders' company. But I think the but credibility we have with government, they yeah. understand that we can raise the capital. That there's no, uh, they look at us and they see that we have the technical ability to construct and operate mines. Right. And they also, I mean, ultimately it comes down to your track record. There's plenty of juniors who go through and say they can raise the capital. Well, that's my that's There's the problem not. for these guys. This happens all too often. People come in and go, "Yeah, the money's tight. It's fine," but it's not. It's it's I'm winging a prayer. But you 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 think the conversations the you've conversations been able to lend is, comfort? Yeah, I think that they look at us, and that, to be honest, the financing is a bit. There there are issues we're working around with governments. Right. Uh, ability to raise capital is not one of them. No. Great. Okay. Well, that, that's good news. Um, what are the things that they ask you about? Just, just so it would be interesting well, to I know. I think that they, that they want to under, both countries want to understand what you're going to do from a, how it's going to be managed 
Um, mm. They're obviously looking at the way we're building out the business and want to understand what they have as a priority, which is mm. understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a greater focus now on environmental standards, on social standards, on yeah. how you engage with community, yeah. which places us in a good position because, again, we come from large mining companies. I'm a big believer in fit for purpose, so you don't have to necessarily apply the same approach to capital intensity and de-risking in a junior mining company is what you do in a large mining company. You can Mm. kind of be more nimble and more faster. But equally, things like environmental standards, safety standards, they're critical. So the host governments, I think that's where we have a competitive advantage over others. They do look at us and uh, they look at how M2 Cobalt's been operating in Uganda, for example, on the drilling side. They're extremely well regarded. Okay. They've got a track history. They've been in the country as it pertains to Uganda for 10 True. years. And we also, uh, through our history, kind of know the asset and know the country quite well as well. That's true. And what about from their side, their side of the delivery? I mean, what's the mining code like in these countries? You know, um, tax, all that, I think royalties. Well, Tanzania is well publicised. They've gone yeah. through some changes which have been complex. Yeah. I mean, we're working through the government with those. We've said that we, we believe we have a mechanism whereby we will operate within their existing mining laws and that can be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uganda is very much open for business, very positive, um, very uh, welcoming of foreign investment into the mining sector and obviously Kalembi uh, and the KCCL, the Kassasi Cobalt Refinery is a strategic mm-hmm. asset for the country. Yeah. Um, I mean, when Falconbridge was operating, it was 10% of the country's GDP approximately. And, and- I've, I've, you need to remind me of the terms again. Are you, you're going to be 100% owners of M2 and eCobalt? Correct. Right, okay. Yeah, they're plans of arrangements, so essentially they become Jebois subsidiaries. And you haven't inherited any uh, risks, liabilities, and all of that? No, that I, other over and above what was already in M2 Cobalt and eCobalt, but obviously we had uh, detailed due diligence on both. Right, okay, okay. So, again, so let's, let's just recap for investors. Your plan here is um, to develop nickel cobalt copper, um, be a mid-tier. You're at that phase at the moment where you're having to have conversations. No, you are having conversations about financing because you potentially yeah, quite close to that copper. Well, my right? background's in, in lending and uh, you start conversations early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I want to obviously get the most competitive source of finance into, a, into for example, Idaho. Right. And part of that involves making sure that the banks can do their due diligence right. so you're not forced into alternative providers that may be more right. expensive. So people, when they when they hear that, they make assumptions around dilution. Okay. Uh, I think that, so, uh, I mean, obviously at some point in time, once the DFS is finalised, um, and we will be raising capital to as part of an overall financing package. Yeah to go into production, but that's off a very different base as to where we are now. Yeah. At that point in time, we've completed a, de- a definitive feasibility study. Mm. There's, a, there's a debt package in place that's confirmed. Mm. Equity is obviously the last part that tips in. Yeah. Um, and I'm also very straightforward. I mean, people will sit here and I'll talk, because mm. I could not use equity. I mean, I could stream, I could use royalties. But it's still, I but I, no, no, but I, I find, I'm a simple person. and. I, 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 shareholders don't buy our company for me to stream out cobalt exposure. Yeah. I think that's rubbish. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm not scared of equity, and I think that we do it at the right time. Obviously, where everyone associated with the company is highly motivated, personally motivated yeah, by said, yeah. the value per share. Um, so we'll, we'll finance in a measured and appropriate way, but also not 
introduce because Idaho is part of our story. It's not the only story. So yeah. I'm not going to gear up the company and introduce too much leverage by being afraid to issue equity. Yeah. Um, but these are the, the the pool of capital that's open for construction equity is large. Yeah. It's. Um, that's true. And so you're trying to, again, correct me if I'm wrong, you're trying to move the company from a small player where perhaps it's got more risk associated with it, you know, with lower market cap, ability to raise capital, et cetera, to survive, you know, where, well, wherever company, we are. The company's survived for a long time. It's been on the ASX for 50 years. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I just think that, uh, I mean, what we're, we wouldn't have assembled the board and the management team we had if we were looking to not build out a significant operating company. Well, this is what I'm getting to. I think it strikes me through reading through the various material that you know, is out there about you. You've got the mentality of a bigger company. Yeah, most but most junior mining companies, I mean, they don't want to do this because they don't have the It's about survival, right? Well, but it's also, this is hard work, building mines yeah. and constructing operations. That's three or four years of your life you're not getting back in, in a part of the world that's not adjacent to where you live. True. Uh, we've got a team that none of us have retired, Everyone's rolled up their sleeves, even the guy yeah. run on the board, and we're going to make it happen. Well, yeah, and okay, that, that's that's the insider's view, and from an investor's point of view, and again, I'm focused on retail high net worth family offices here. They don't necessarily want to sit around for three or four years with the shares not doing anything. So, why don't you leave it with where's the value coming from? What are you doing, and what do you want people to think about when they think of Jervois mining? Yeah, I mean, I guess. We're obviously highly focused on shareholder value, and it's not shareholder value just in four years' time. Yeah, I think if you look at what we're doing, we're creating something because it's. We're also conscious at this end of the market what's required. Mm. So we're undertaking a drill program currently in Uganda, for example. Mm. Um, so the PEA, which comes out in uh, North America with yep. M2 Circular, is a PEA uh, due to the inclusion of inferred resources. We made a conscious decision not to spend $5 million drilling out the resource to yep. measure an indicator to support a higher classification under 43101 of studies. Right. That funds, those funds have been redirected to Uganda because as a junior mining company, so yep. infill drilling a laterite resource, there's no news flow there that's going to get our share price going. Uganda is highly prospective. It's the DRC geology, yep. crosses the border. It doesn't stop, obviously, yep. at the border. Yep. And... The, the rock samples that we've had published, I and mean, you can see the numbers, and the, it's, yeah, it's extremely exciting. And that's where, as a junior mining company, if I'm going to spend money drilling, that's where I'm going to drill, because right. that's where I'm going to get an intersection yep. that's going to put a rocket under the stock and do things for the retail and do things for us and be able to give us more flexibility. That's a better use of shareholder funds. Okay. If you're in a $50 billion mining company, we probably would have spent it elsewhere. But it's at this end of the market, we have to be cognizant of what works. Yep from a capital markets perspective, but also spending it in the right way insofar as we're not just drilling for the sake of drilling, we're not promoters, we're not, these aren't Hail Marys that are just kind of getting thrown out there hoping that something sticks. There's, we're excited by what East Africa represents. And I guess from a capital markets perspective, we're trying to create something that's got some developed world assets, mm -hmm. stable, secure, generating cash flow, but you've also got for the equity investor and for us as owners of the business, yeah. That East African upside where yep. if you get it right, you can make 10, 20 times money on money returns, which is which is what you need. I mean, obviously, people don't invest in a company like Chevois. If they want to invest in a low-risk, 5%, um, 10% sure. return sure. mining investment, yep. they go and invest in BHP and Rio. We're all doing this because we think we can do exceptionally well and generate money on money returns. And uh, essentially, the owners of the business alongside us think likewise. Yeah. And you've done it before. 
Uh, we did it at Extrata. I mean, together yeah. with the, uh, I guess, the, the, the quality of the team we had at Extrata was profound. One of mm-hmm. the best management teams I think that's been around the industry, and I had the, the good fortune to kind of sit on the coattails of that. Um, and I th- the quality of the team we're assembling at Jedwire, it's not everything. Yeah. The guys, we no one's, at, no, we're not alchemists. Yeah. But if you get the right people in place, uh, have the right philosophical approach, then good things happen and that's our strategy. That's great, great summary. Lovely to catch up with you and see you. you. I know you're jumping on a plane tonight, but you come through London, do come and see us. Love to hear more about things else they can That's great to talk to you, thanks for the Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching and we look forward to seeing you again soon.